This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Welcome, friend. Have a seat by the fire. Make yourself comfortable. Looking through the borrowed eyeglasses of a killer, a convicted murderer, suddenly the world became clear. Among us moved dark beings, with eyes that burn wicked with the fires of hell. And most chilling of all revelations, these beings were wrapped in a fragile shell of flesh. They walked among us, and many of them were us. You're listening to Campfire Radio Theatre, a collection of tales from the bizarre and surreal. Tonight's audio play is a story written by John Ballantyne, Demonize. For Christ's sake, out of the way, slow ass. Jeez. How did I get myself into this? Stupid cell phone service. I can't get a signal through here. And now Damn it! Local news and weather. Convicted death row inmate Wesley Wayne Morrow is scheduled to be executed at 9 p.m. this evening at the Georgia. Oh God! I'm running out of time. Morrow admitted guilt in a spree of brutal killings during the 1990s and was convicted in 2001 for the murders in what was called by many an open and shut case. It is not known how many more of Morrow's victims possibly remain unaccounted for. Why did Morrow give me those eyeglasses? Why trust them to me and not someone else? And the things I can now see with them? I'll never find out if I can't get there. And save him in time. To clarify, I'm an atheist. I don't really believe in such things. At least I didn't believe in them. Not until I came face to face with something that can only be described as... A demon. This madness all started the day I met Morrow. See, I work for the FBI, a part of their criminal profiling division. I was sent to the death house in Georgia where Morrow was awaiting execution in hopes of extracting information regarding the whereabouts of 14 more bodies, more victims of his murderous rampage over a decade ago. It was here in the waiting area. I was met by Detective Paul Bellamy for the first time. Well, you must be Agent, uh... Special Agent Sarah Gowan, FBI. Hi there. Sorry about that. Paul Bellamy, Atlanta PD. So you're the one that brought in Morrow. I've read your report and the book you wrote on his capture. Spent a lot of time on that case, Agent. So you're here to see the infamous Wesley Wayne Morrow. Once again, the Wayne Lee Ray conundrum rears its ugly head. Uh, the Wayne Lee what? Oh, nothing. It's just, 
Ever noticed how there seems to be a disproportionate number of violent felons with the names Wayne, Lee, or Ray? John Wayne Gacy, Lee Harvey Oswald, James Earl Ray, and mm, so on. Never heard that. <laughs> it's just a silly theory. I gotta admit, though, I know why you're here. Really? Yeah, you think you're gonna get him to dish details on where all those other bodies are hidden, right? <laughs> if that were my plan, I couldn't discuss it, Detective Bellamy. Let me say this. You're wasting your time. Why is that? Look, I spent hours with this guy in interrogation over the years. Couldn't crack him. Now, he will admit to all of those murders, all 23 to be exact. Hell, he signed confessions to every one. But beyond the whereabouts of the nine poor souls we could find, well, he just won't tell us where the rest are. Why do you suppose that is? Your guess is as good as mine. Who knows what goes on in the head of a maniac? But if I were to venture, I'd say he hopes there might be some last-minute reprieve. Mm, a stay of execution. You think he's holding back that information because... Because it's the only card he's got left to play. Let's see, who's on the roster here? Agent Sarah Gowan. That's me. Looks like you're up first. Ever talked to a walking dead man before? Mr. Morrow, I'm Sarah Gowan. I'm with the FBI. I'd like to talk with you about a few things. I'm going to record our conversation, if you don't mind. Not much I can do to stop you now, is it? I suppose not, but I'd like to have your cooperation. So, let's get right down to business, shall we? There are some details in your account of the murders that I find puzzling. Ask away. I mean, this is your last chance to pick my brain, after all. Mr. Morrow, you signed a confession that you killed 23 people between the years of 1992 to 1999. Well, let's get one thing straight, Agent. They were no longer people when I killed them. Yes. You claim these individuals were, to quote, some manner of demonic beings, that they were no longer human. Is that correct? Look, I've been cursed with this burden for a long time now. I've told this story a million and one times and always the same way. It's crazy. Believe me, I know. Some nights I wake up and wonder if any of it is real to this day, but not a word of it is untrue. I'm not here to dispute any of your claims, Mr. Morrow. You've been very forthcoming with even the grisliest of details of your crimes. The part I find curious is 14 bodies remain unaccounted for. 14 families will never be able to put closure to the loss of their loved ones. In your statements, you say you are a spiritual man, Mr. Morrow, a follower of the Catholic faith. Time is running out. The state is determined to proceed with this execution. Let me assure you of that. There's not going to be a last-minute call from the governor. In three days, you will be injected with a combination of drugs that will kill you, as surely as I sit before you now. The families of your victims deserve to have answers. Why won't you at least grant them that? The answer to that is very simple, Agent Gowan. If I give up the location of those bodies, you will most definitely have them exhumed for testing and probing. God only knows what else. If those corpses are dug from the ground, then all of this will be for nothing. What do you mean? You know, I've often prayed for madness. That I'm just some garden variety nut job. What a relief it would be to awaken some padded room locked up and howling at my own shadow. 
Just fill me with drugs and take away this torture, right? But no. There is a keen logic to evil and the creatures that practice its dark art. They are very real. They are listening right now. How could returning the remains of these victims to their families for proper burial because possibly be Because the demons that inhabited those rotting cadavers are trapped there in the ground. If you exhume them, they are released to the world free again to plunder and rape and weave their web of wicked indulgences. Agent, do you know how to kill a demon? Can't say as I do. Neither do I. I mean, you can't kill something that doesn't live in the first place, at least doesn't live as you and I do. When a demon takes possession of a human body, it sinks roots into the soul like a twisted tree into a rich, fertile ground, and it grows like some malignancy. The bitter truth is you can't extract it without killing the host in nine out of ten cases. Most of that exorcism nonsense you hear, well, it's, it's pure garbage. You can't pull them out of someone unless they want to come out. But if one is willing to take certain measures, extreme radical measures. Kill. Exactly. You take them by surprise before they've had a chance to adapt, to escape to another body. You can trap them. Trap them in the body. A dead body. Then what? There's a number of rituals, but essentially the remains must be buried. Buried deep and never, never disturbed. So... How do you know the difference? How do you know when you've got someone with a demon inside them, or you've just run across some poor schmuck having a bad day? <laughs> you see these glasses that I wear? Simple, unassuming eyeglasses, wouldn't you agree? Here, take them. I'd rather not. I can barely reach them with my hand shackled to this chair, but ah, there you go. What am I supposed to do with them? They're glasses, put them on. That's good. They suit you. If you say so. Allow your eyes to adjust them for a moment. Now what do you see? What am I supposed to see, Mr. Morrow? What color are my eyes? You're wasting my time. Humor me, Agent Cowan. This might give you some insight. Your eyes are blue. Good. Then that means I'm not one of them. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I've known a few blue-eyed devils in my time. Well, if you had been peering at them through those particular glasses, and their eyes burned black, black as hell's heart, then you were wise to steer clear of them. This is how you decided who lived or died? Yes. And where did you get these glasses? A man I once knew. He taught me about the evil all around us. The man's name? It doesn't matter. You'll never find him. <laughs> I bet I can. It's not important, Agent Gowan. In the past few years, these creatures have launched a major offensive against humankind. There are armies of them matched against us, poised to strike, and society stands vulnerable, like sheep lined up for the slaughterhouse. They know many don't believe in them. It's to their advantage that you don't. I see we're not getting anywhere here. Your glasses? Take them. I won't be needing them much longer. I don't need them either. Keep the glasses. They're a morbid conversation piece, if nothing else. Mr. Morrow, I'll be leaving now. Wait. There's something else you need to know. One more very important thing. One would expect a serial killer such as Wesley Wayne Morrow to be profoundly disturbed. And I wasn't disappointed, but I had no idea how deeply rooted his psychosis was. 
Clearly, Mara was delusional, paranoid, but there was a neatness and order to his insanity that I had never encountered before. A bizarre coherence, a consistent nature to his account that I have rarely come across in someone so mentally unstable. And the glasses? Another mystery. In none of his files had I recalled him mentioning them before. Why, Agent Gowan, what a surprise. <laughs> Detective Bellamy, is it? Following me around now? Not at all, ma'am. <laughs> this little spot happens to be one of my favorite haunts. Mind if I have a seat? <laughs> Help yourself. Thank you. Miss, would you bring my plate to this table? I'll be dining with this young lady. Yes, sir. Here you go. Thank you, dear. So, uh, I assume you'll be filing your final report on this case. I suppose. I don't guess you had any luck with him revealing the whereabouts of those missing bodies. No. He's firmly entrenched in his own delusions. A pity, but not unexpected. Wow, that's a lot of hot sauce you're putting on that burrito. The hotter the better, Agent Gowan. Are you sure you don't want a glass of something to wash that down with? Maybe I can flag our server. No, I'm perfectly fine, thank you. You know, Detective Bellamy, the thing I don't understand is why Morrow didn't plead an insanity defense during his trial. He's clearly deranged. Certainly his lawyer advised him to do so. Morrow wouldn't have it. The doctors, well, they really didn't know what to make of him. And with a clear admission of guilt in the slaves... He was sent to death row. Exactly. The evidence of the case further convicted him. The DNA at the crime scenes, the grisly nature of what Morrow did to those poor people. Even if he hadn't signed the confession, he would have been found guilty. He has no prior criminal record. Even studied to enter the priesthood at one point. I stopped trying to make sense of this sort of crime a long time ago, Agent Gowan. I mean, there was no rhyme or reason to his choice of victims. He didn't pursue young co-eds after some perverted sexual obsession or go after weak, sure targets. They came from all walks of life, social backgrounds, ethnic groups. They were men, women, children. Morrow didn't discriminate in any regard whom he killed. But when he did kill, he committed his crimes in all exactly the same perverse ritualized manner. Do you know what he did? Can't say as I remember the details. He always struck by surprise first with some blunt object, uh, rendering his victim unconscious or worse. Certainly it was better for them if they were dead because Morrow would then slice them open, cut out the heart still beating, and bury it separately from the body, sometimes miles away. Then he would dispose of the body, plant it as deeply in the soil as he could. <laughs> Almost as if he didn't want to take any chances of it climbing back up to the ground. Sandwich, miss. Thanks. I'm sorry, Agent Gowan. I shouldn't have been so graphic. <laughs> That's all right. It's just your description. What about it? It's a lot more detailed than I recall. Well, I... Spent a great deal of time with Morrow. I know more than what was actually documented. Like the eyeglasses? The glasses? What eyeglasses? Ma'am, could you bring me a to-go box for this? I think I'll just take it with me. Certainly, miss. I'll be right back. What glasses are you talking about, Agent Gowan? The eyeglasses that Morrow wears that he claims can discern demons? Did he have them at the time of the murders? Uh, I suppose he did. He always had them as long as I can remember. He told you that they allowed him to see demons? Yes. 
I'm guessing that tidbit didn't make it into your book. These magic glasses. Where, where are they now, Agent Gowan? Here you go, ma'am. Thank you. Detective Bellamy, always a pleasure. Excuse me, but I have to be on my way. Enjoy your meal. I couldn't resist leaving Detective Bellamy with that befuddled look on his face. But I had no intention of contributing to his research, nor informing him that the glasses rested now solely in my possession. My investigation soon led me to St. Lawrence Catholic School. I had discovered someone from Morrow's past that might provide some answers, and perhaps knew the mystery man who gave him the glasses. Pardon me, are you Father Ravano? Yes, how might I help you? My name is Sarah Gowan, special agent with the FBI. I wonder if I might have a few minutes of your time. This is about the Wesley Morrow case, I suppose? I, I just had a few brief questions concerning your time with Morrow in the seminary. You were classmates at the Catholic Diocese in Kansas City? St. Joseph, correct? Yes, well, we were both on a path of theological study at that time. Both young men in our early 20s then, nearly 25 years ago now. And you were friends? Perhaps we should step into the church here for a little more privacy? You must understand, Agent Gowan, I prefer Everyone not know I was once friends with a man who'd become a notorious murderer. People talk, whisper among themselves. None of it's beneficial to my mission. I understand. Please, have a seat. Thank you. Father Ravano, there was a teacher at the seminary that both you and Morrow studied under? Yes, Father Brooklyn. Tell me about him. Well, he was quite the charismatic figure. An eloquent speaker, a brilliant scholar. I dare say his teachings had a profound influence on us all. What about Morrow? What effect did he have on him? Oh, Morrow was a particular devotee. Disciple of Brooklyn's, I guess you could say. He was enthralled with some of Father Brooklyn's more radical views of the church in the afterlife. Really? What distinguished Brooklyn from your other teachers? Well, for one thing, Father Brooklyn was a practicing exorcist sanctioned by the Vatican, I've been told. He had done this for some time and had many, many tales, frightening stories, really. His personal experiences with evil in such real-world settings probably shaped his views and became part of our curriculum as a result. Did you agree with his views? I was open to them. And Morrow? Oh, he soaked it up like a sponge. This father, Brooklyn, he died while you were both still in studies? Yes, after a brief illness. Morrow, while he was just devastated by the loss, dropped out of the seminary a short time later, and uh, I, I didn't see him again until well, some years ago, flipped on the news, and <laughs> there he was. Father Ravano, are you familiar with these? Blessed saints in heaven. They look like the ones Father Brooklyn wore. They were a, a tool he used in his exorcisms. He even claimed to be able to see demons with them. Toward the end of his life, he wore those glasses all the time. Where did you find them? Morrow gave them to me. So I put these on and, well, good news, Father Ravano. Your eyes look normal. 
Agent Cowan, these are things not meant to be toyed with. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light of your faith, but you must admit, this is a little bizarre. There are many sacraments, blessed objects within the church that are not public knowledge, my dear. Things hidden from the eyes of the masses. If the world knew what evil lurked around them, even here in the church, please remove the glasses. Why? Listen, you have to excuse me. I'm sorry, I, I must make ready for evening prayers. Of course. Thank you for your time, Father. Father Ravano. Father huh? Ravano. Oh, I did, did see you there. Yes, my friend, how might I help you? That's strange. I could swear. Oh my God. Certainly, my son. I, I will be here until late this evening. Please call on me after six. Yes, Father. I will call on you then. Thank you. Agent Gowan? Agent Gowan, you, are you all right? You look as pale as a sheet. Here, listen, can I, uh, can I get you That man that was just here. What was wrong with him? What do you mean? I mean, he, he comes here to confession at least once a week, but nothing his other than... His eyes. They looked right at me. His eyes. You didn't see them? Well, yes. It seemed perfectly normal to me. What kind of things does he confess to you, Father Ravana? <sighs> you know, I can't reveal that. That man has done something terrible, hasn't he? Something monstrous, and you can't reveal it. Agent Gowan, there are things you are not meant to see. Please get rid of those glasses for your own sake. They're cursed. Morrow's proof of it. Good day to you. Father Ravana was right, but I couldn't bring myself to put them away. Would you? If you could see evil through a pair of glasses. I began to see the demons everywhere. At the corner filling station, waiting in line at the bank, at the grocery. They could be your neighbor, your mailman, even your family. I could feel their eyes on me, even in my sleep. Craving answers, I began to listen to the recorded interview I made with Marl, hoping to make some sense of this insanity. Wait. There's something else you need to know. One more very important thing. The police recovered nine bodies from ten separate burial sites. Right. One of the sites was empty. You moved one of the bodies to another site at some point? No, Agent Gowan. I never moved any of the bodies. I would never have touched it again after burial. So what happened? I fear one of them came back. I think one of those godless things pushed the earth away. Climbed from that hole. I don't understand how or why. Maybe he was more powerful than the others. Don't be ridiculous. That's impossible. These are demons we are speaking of. They're not bound by our rules or constraints. This one knew me, knew my face. He's the one that finally tracked me down. Detective Bellamy is the one who tracked you down. Yes, he is, Agent. You wanted to know where one of the missing bodies was. Well, he's waiting on the other side of that wall. Bellamy? He may not be an angel, but he's certainly no demon. Look at him through those cursed lenses, Asian Gowan. Look into his black eyes and tell me again he's not. Bellamy. He was after the glasses. I had to stop the execution. Morrow held all the answers. He was the only one that did. But now, 
it was almost too late. Stupid cell phone service. I can't get a signal through here. Damn it! And now for your local news and weather. Convicted death row inmate Wesley Wayne Morrow is scheduled to be executed at 9 p.m. this evening. God, I'm running out of time. So, here I am, full of fear, breaking 101 traffic laws to reach Wesley Wayne Morrow before his time runs out. Before... I'm dazed, hardly conscious as the figure from the other car that's just smashed into me approaches. I can barely make out his face before I pass out. Take it easy there, Agent Cowan. You've got a nasty bump on the head. Bellamy? You crashed into me? What the hell do you want? Right here. Wouldn't want these to fall into the wrong hands again. I knew it. The glasses. Why, yes. And I had to prevent you from doing something very foolhardy. (gasps) Oh, God, the execution. I've got to stop it. Too late, dear girl. Justice is served. Morrow was dead two hours ago. Deader than all the sons of Abraham, I dare say. You son of a bitch. Oh, don't bother reaching for your firearm. I'll keep it safe right here. Where have you taken me? A nice little rustic spot in the forest that I became acquainted with. Romantic, isn't it? This is where they found the bodies. I thought I might put you here. It's the tenth grave, the one they found empty. I'm a federal agent, Bellamy. They won't let this slide. Oh, I have friends everywhere. Some of your agency, even. Yes, you've seen my friends through these glasses, haven't you? I guess you've got this all figured out. Only there's one slight complication. What's that? I don't think I can kill you now. What kind of twisted game are you playing? You know, it was nearly 15 years ago. 15 years. The night I clawed through this black soil, pulled myself from this very whole, my beating heart was calling me. It was no convenient hike either, Miss Gowan, no. Morrow didn't make it easy for me. I staggered miles to find it, dug through the ground, shoved it back into the gaping slit in my chest. Look at the scar I bear under this shirt, even now, you see? (laughs) Ever attempt self-open heart surgery? Morrow said you were a demon all along. The word has such a negative connotation these days. What about the others? I was the only one of Morrow's victims to escape this fate. Or so I thought. What do you mean? How far back do you remember? What does that have to do with anything? Do you recall your youth? Your childhood? Your parents? What difference does it make? Your parents? You don't remember them? Their names? Strange. But I can't recall. I can't even see their faces. There was once a family that lived in a little farmhouse over in the next county. A man and his wife. Two kids. One of them a girl of about twelve, I guess. Why are you telling me this? You were only a girl when he murdered you, Sarah. That's why you don't remember. 
You were one of Morrow's early victims, one of those 14 bodies they never found. What are you saying? Morrow saw the darkness growing in you with those damnable glasses. He could not let you live. Murdered your entire family on that night. Your parents, your little brother. You're lying. You drugged me with something to dull my senses, uh, to confuse me. You clawed yourself from that grave just as I did. Woke to the sound of your throbbing heart and rose from the ground. The innate beast within you forged ahead to find that most crucial organ. You've never wondered the origin of your scar? The deep wound Morrow inflicted on you? Didn't recognize Morrow when you sat face to face with him with your assassin. If if I was one of you, why did he give me the glasses? His vision deteriorated rapidly in prison. Morrow, Morrow was nearly blind. <laughs> the delicious irony of it all. No, this is all a lie. Come now, dear. You know it's not. You've lived in a fog, forgotten who you are, what you truly are under that veil of human flesh. Walk freely now into the darkness. There's nothing to fear when you walk with the unholy. Take my hand. How can this be? Take my hand, sir. If I come with you, will I become evil? What is evil? You don't believe in this sort of thing, do you? Will I become evil? their plans for you, my dear. Most assuredly. Actually, detective, I've got some plans of my own. (laughs) Dear girl, whatever is it you're hiding in that other hand? Always strike first with some blunt object, like a rock you've concealed behind your back. Isn't that how you said Morrow did it? Oh, but I see you're not unconscious yet, are you? Sorry, Detective Bellamy. I'll take those glasses, though. Now what, Bellamy? I should cut out that heart of yours. That's the next step in this ritual, isn't it? Of course, that didn't work out too well the last time. After all, you didn't stay buried, did you? Those black eyes still staring back at me? What would happen if I plucked them right out of your head? Would you still find your way from this hole? Perhaps I'll lay you face down in this ground, let you dig yourself deeper and deeper. Let's get to work. There's one. And the other. Perhaps Bellamy was right. Maybe I was one of them and I just couldn't remember. Or maybe I had just descended into madness. I felt like I had awoke from a dream. A dream... Just on the edge of consciousness, hazy and unclear. As I would stare at my reflection, my own eyes were reflected back at me. I was okay. Could that darkness within me have fled? 
I can never know for sure. I must be forever vigilant, watchful as we all should. Even now I wear the glasses, for still I fear that one morning I might rise and find the eyes staring at me through the mirror are not mine, but those of a demon. You've been listening to Campfire Radio Theater. Tonight's tale, Demon Eyes, was written, directed, and produced by John Ballantyne. Featured in the cast were Diane Gilbert as Sarah Gowan, Alan Pierce as Detective Bellamy, John Ballantyne as Wesley Wayne Morrow, Blaine Hicklin as Father Ravano. Also featured were Teresa Ballantyne and Jeffrey Lester. Music by Kevin McLeod. Sound design by Tim Holding and John Ballantyne. Additional sound courtesy of Free Sound Project. Mixing and post-production by John Ballantyne. Share the horror and visit us at CampfireRadioTheater.com and on Facebook at Campfire Radio Theater. Providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 BC proudly presents Wrinkly's Believe It or Forget About It, bringing you strange but true tales and oddities from all over this wide world. And here is your host, Mr. Robert Wrinkly. Hello, I'm Robert Wrinkly. Next, do you believe in ghosts? Most people don't, but they change their minds quickly if they spend a night in. The Haunted Hotel. That's the famous nickname of the Waldorf Ant Storager Hotel located in the historic city of Sandusky, Ohio. Built in 1890 on the site of a street battle between local candy makers, union rabble-rousers, and city police. The hotel has long been touted as haunted by the ghosts of the men killed there that fateful day. Guests who stay in room 305, for example, often complain about being awakened in the wee small hours by the sound of someone noisily chewing taffy. Across the hall in room 302, guests have reported that their sleep was disturbed by the incessant popping of bubblegum. And diners in the hotel restaurant have had entire tables upset by the unseen spirits of union agitators, climbing up to give long-winded speeches. The hotel is still open for business and does a booming trade during the month of October. Believe it or forget about it. You've been listening to a special feature of Pulp Puri Theater. Wrinkly's Believe It or Forget About It. Brought to you by Mutual of Ohm. Providing spiritual insurance for your past, your present, and your future since 500 BC. This is Gramercy Noun speaking. We return you now to our regularly scheduled program. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.